Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with documentary director Keith Walsh as his film, When All Is Ruined Once Again, has just been released on Video On Demand. Keith is a documentary filmmaker and editor. Thank you so much for coming and chatting with us. You're more than welcome. Thanks, pleasure to be here. Are you based in Ireland? I am, I am yes. I'm uh, based in Gort, just inside, just south of Gort in County Galway. Oh, so your reccees were very close. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, uh, I'm living in the place where the film is uh, set. Um, so, yeah, the film, a lot of the na- a lot of my neighbours, a lot of the places where I, um, around where I live, are kind of the main feature of the documentary. And if you could describe on all his room once again for me a little bit about how the narrative is structured, I suppose. <laughs> It, it, what the film is about has been, uh, you know, it's kind of like a cardinal sin, but from the very start, it's been a very, I, I, I almost kind of hated when people asked what the film is about because I didn't really know what it was about. Uh, I kind of knew inside or I knew, some part of me knew or trusted what it was about, but um, but it was very difficult to put into words. I actually still find it quite difficult to put into words, but I, I mean, essentially, the film is uh, set around a time period, really, and in that time period, two roads are built. Um, the first road was opened in November 2010, the second in September 2017. It's set around that time period when these two roads are being built, and obviously a lot of happened in Ireland around that time, but also then a lot happened. A lot happened over seven years. The documentary is not about the road itself it's not about it's very like the one of the things i struggled with was that in describing it it sounds like it's about whether a bypass is good or bad economically for a small town in ireland but it isn't that the road the the, the road is just a, <clears throat> I suppose it's a time marker in the film it's a, it's a time i suppose the last 20 years have been time, a time when ireland got its motorways so it's kind of using that to look at the life that's in, in and around this area, around uh, South Galway and County Clare. And that's something you do very well. You go into all the different worlds. You go into rural Ireland, the, the way people interact, and the mechanics of farming. Nature plays a big part of it. All these old, familiar Irish characters that we've all met a few times in a few different incarnations, and, and it all feels so true. Um, but it, it's 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 it is like a like a kind of love letter to the area, but it isn't afraid to kind of just show as well. Like there's a lot of quirkiness to the the characters that we meet, um, to the to the aesthetics around along the way, and I think nature as well plays a really big part in it. And what works really well is timing wise. There's a few elements of where are we going there's going to like it, it, it's it's in the context of climate change but it all feels so again true at this point in time kind of scary so considering when it's been released i get to tell you a little bit about those themes over the seven years uh, uh you know a lot of things happened in the country but also happened you know seven years is a lot of life and a lot of life happens in those years and a lot of the film is is quite personal to to me because it's in where I lived in those two where I lived in those two uh, uh, those seven years, the two places where I lived in those seven years feature in it and the people who are my neighbours. But also then in that seven years, um, Jill just it's basically the team to make the film was um, myself and uh, I shot it and edited it, edited the film, and also then Jill, my wife uh, Jill Beardsworth, she produced the film. 
So it was really a two-person uh, team. There was also then uh, Jack Lunt, who was our archive researcher, and um, you know Killian uh, Fitzgerald mixed it. And it, you know, it was a very—I mean, in terms of the actual crew, it was quite limited. So it was very much about what was happening in our lives. We had uh, two children at the time. Uh, in that seven years, we had um, Jill's father passed away at the very start of the film. So there was a lot of. Uh, ideas around uh, mortality, about um, memory, about what what legacy we leave behind, or do we leave anything behind, or, or will we be remembered? And you know things things around those sort of you know, you know some of them might have been to do with sleep depri- deprivation as well, because having two kids is you know you don't get much sleep with it. Um, but you know, and then eight days after the, the first road opened up, the the Troika bailout happened. So it was quite a dark, bleak period to um to be in rural Ireland. So and then uh, you know there's a lot. Of, the whole film is basically about looking at the diff, about kind of absorbing. You know, as it goes along, it absorbs the the things that ha- that are happening around me, but also within me. And what comes out is the finished film. I mean, I suppose one of the things, one of the bigger things that brought up the theme of nature and you know, and, and uh, climate change and uh, nature's beauty and also power to kind of push back against us uh, was one of the things that brought that to the fore was um, the flooding in 15, uh, the winter of 1516, when uh, the castle, uh, Tor Bally Lee, where Yates used to, uh, Yates lived, was flooded and also all the area around Gort was flooded as, as well as you know, much of the country. So that, um, the, you know, the, the, the name of the film comes from the poem that, um, that Yeats had wrote about his restoration of that tower. So it was a lot of themes about um, about memory, about rune, about uh, civil. You know, Yeats was talking about uh, civilizations coming and going, and I thought it was very uh, uh, fitting or very. Um, it spoke to me, I suppose, the words of his poetry, talking about um, the cyclical nature of civilizations that they come and go. Um, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of things were kind of feeding into it. I mean, and even like simple things, I suppose, down to we moved into a new house. So we lived you know, at the start of it. We lived in Crushin, overlooking the lake that's in the film where Eddie Lennon, the storyteller, is telling a telling a story. Oh, he's um, he's a brilliant Eddie, character. <laughs> Eddie's brilliant. Eddie. Uh, so so Eddie's just like lived up the road in, in Crushin in the village, and um, I played soccer with his son actually. Um, so. Uh, we um we then had to move to another area uh, just a uh, bit, bit north of Crushing up towards South, uh, South Galway or South, yeah, South Galway near Gort to a place called Killeen uh, which is named after the children's graveyard that features in the film and when, when we moved here there was uh, there was there was weeds here called uh, horsetails I'd never seen horsetails before so we uh, so I, when the people helped us move I asked them about um uh, like you know, how can I get rid of them? <laughs> and he said, "Look, you're either going to have to to learn to 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 love them or learn to love them because you know you're not going to get rid of them." And I did a bit of research, a little bit of research about horsetail, and it turns out that they actually have been around for sixty million years, I think. And like at one point during one of one of uh, uh, just before one of the mass extinctions that we've experienced, that uh, the, the whole of a lot of the world was full of big forests of these horsetails or, 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 or uh, certainly a kind of um, uh, an early cousin of the horsetail, let's say. 
and most of our uh, oil and gas comes from fossilized horse tail. So, you know, I suppose, you know, you can look for inspiration wherever you can find it. And a lot of the inspiration that I found for the film was around things that were literally just happening in front of me or around me, you know. There is this gorgeous kind of interwoven element of nature and the, the kind of traditional local characters their lives and and a little bit about the decay of um rural society in there as well and about how the loads and loads of small towns are kind of getting young people are going to big cities instead and you do get that element where you know like maybe things are changing or or dying in in some ways which is which is sad as well but it, it also seems like a like a celebration of everything mm. It seems there's, there's 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 a couple of different films in there. There's a lot of different ideas and themes woven through it. And I think it's um whenever I watch it anyway, I kind of get something a little bit different or I focus on one kind of issue a bit more than others. But I mean, like I suppose, you know, that that time period where it where it um when it was filmed was very was very bleak, you know, 20, 2012, 2011, 2012 was there was a lot of emigration, a lot of people were leaving. But I think, you know, I, I don't really, the film isn't really a kind of a, 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 it doesn't really get into a debate over whether rural Ireland is dying or not, or whether the road is good for rural Ireland or not. But the, the simple fact of the matter, just in that time, there was no young people, the young people were just were leaving uh, in droves. And um, there's a radio piece in the, in the film which talks about uh, Gort being uh, being during the um, Celtic Tiger, it was one of the towns that did the best. And then during the uh, the bust, it was one of the towns that did the worst um, in terms of employment and in terms of immigration. They're just, that's just what was happening, I suppose, you know. And I think, um, you know, Gort is up until the situation we find ourselves in now and uh, with, the, with, with, uh, with, with the lockdown and we don't know where we're going to be after that. Um, but it was starting to come back and starting to do well. But it was, uh, it was probably doing well because of its proximity to Galway, and that uh, a lot of people can can't afford to live in Galway anymore, can't live in the cities. I think it's kind of a, a common enough thing across the world now, where people are moving out from the cities because they can't afford to, the property in the cities. So Gort, because it's kind of close to Galway, it was doing relatively well. You know, you had a lot of artists moving back out uh, you you have a lot of artists who have moved out of Galway because they can't afford to live and then you know the other people were following so but the film it's it's I didn't want in the film I didn't want to get into a, a debate about about the economics of small town Ireland I was trying to I suppose look at more universal themes with it in the context of this of Gort I, I suppose maybe just as I, as I think about it now maybe it was you know, a lot. Often we can go far away to 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 make films about bigger places or places with more dramatic issues, or, or you know. But sometimes it was it was it was just an absolute pleasure to look around the area that we live and to see uh, to see the world in the area in, in to see the, the the world and universal themes in the area that we lived in Gort and Crushing. As a, as a microcosm, because because it is, it's very charming. Even the scene of I I really loved the uh, Rose of Gorse. Yeah, yeah, the Rose of Gorse. It's um, it's uh, like I, I you know I suppose you know there, you know people could look at look at it as as uh, a love letter to an old Ireland, but the reality is that that's the Ireland of that time. You know, these are 
these are things that were have been going on for a long time but they're still there and they're still going on i didn't you know i didn't kind of search out little remnants of old ireland they just seem to be kind of that's what that's a lot of what's there you know that's was that's the kind of um the rituals uh, that we use for congregation i suppose you know i mean the 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 rose of gort as it happens hasn't been on for the last couple of years so it is a it is a thing of the past now i suppose oh that's sad because <laughs> i was thinking that it was it was a nice kind of link down to a modern generation mm. enjoying these kind of older traditions in a very kind of innocent but sweet way mm. we'll just go back to a little bit about um the the film's origin so Yourself and Jill, when you guys were devising this and chatting about this and planning this in the early stages, um, what was the initial scope? Did you guys have a pitch and bring it to the film board? Did you guys have a scheme and put something together first? What was the, the kind of planning first? The planning of it was um, we got, I mean, Vash Wednesday 2008, when we actually did the first um the first little bit of filming is kind of to, uh, to, um, to, I mean, a lot of our work, what we do is because I'm a cameraman, a camera person as well. And, you know, Jill does the sound. We can work without, uh, without having to get a crew. We can work with, um, with, with, you know, we can get projects off the ground with no money, I suppose. Um, so we were able to, we went out and we filmed uh, a couple of characters. We filmed in a kind of a style that we wanted to uh, film in. And we cut together, I think it was like an 18 minute piece of these three characters, uh, one of which subsequently ended up in the film. But I suppose we put together a, more of a kind of a style piece. And we went to the film board and we had, um, we hadn't yet finished uh, our last film, Apples of the Golan, but uh, it, was, it was quite near and finish, finishing. So we, 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 we filmed, we, we, we cut together a, um, an 18, 20 minute piece with these three characters. Um, more of a mood piece, more of a, it was, it was you know, loosely cut. Um, it, was, it was just all of an afternoon's filming, I think, or, or one day's filming. And uh, we went to Simon Perry, who was the chief executive of the uh, Irish Film Board, as it was called at the time. And uh, he really liked it. I think he had spent some time, if I'm not mistaken, in Longford or somewhere. It was either in Monaghan or Leitrim, I think, in a rural area in, in Ireland. And he, 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 he felt he knew these characters, he knew these people. So he, um, he was kind of supportive. And Alan Marr was, uh, was there at the time. And both of them um, supported us early on. So it was more like the kind of the general, yeah, the, a general idea. But the fact that we were able to put together something that you could actually physically see our, our, our approach, um, it, was, it made things a lot easier to... Uh, I'm not sure we would have got the support if we were just relying on a written document because I suppose what we had was more an idea of, of an aspiration um, that we wanted to explore. And I, I mean, it was very, um, I think it was very brave of them. And I suppose it's something that we're very thankful for. And I think it's something that, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, get, it, it's, it's very hard to give money to something that isn't laid out and planned out and maybe scripted out i understand the demands around that particularly given government money but i think it's important that filmmakers are back and artists are back where they don't necessarily have like the film that we ended up with the film that we released in today isn't the film that we had planned back there back then it has the seeds of it were you know you could see the seeds of it in that 18 minute cut or 20 minute cut that we showed but it isn't anything like what 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 we put on the paper and 
you know, I think it's, um, yeah, we're very thankful that they, uh, that they went with us because it was uh, a long process. And we, uh, we had initially, we were initially supposed to only go with the first road. Um, so the road was, the documentary was supposed to finish with the first road opening up, but then with the, with the uh, Troika bailout happening eight days later and a couple of other uh, things happening like, uh, like, my Jill's father passed away and, and uh, around that time and also the road because of the uh, recession the road company they built the road about a year faster than what we had um, what, the, what they had planned because they wanted to try to get the road finished so they get another contract because they could see the, the bottom falling out of the economy so that kind of ruined our schedule so things then what was supposed to be maybe a year or two year production turned into a seven year production <laughs> eight year production and you know thankfully they were very supportive of us you know um, can't have been easy uh, for them to, to, to hold on to their patience but um, yeah we're very thankful and, I, and you know some projects will suit that where we you don't know where the end goal is, but if you if the filmmaker is a trusted filmmaker, well, you know, uh, hopefully we don't need to plan everything out to such a place where it kind of stalls the creativity. Probably didn't hurt that you guys were coming off the back of Apples of Golan. Yeah. Um, set in a Syrian village. Yeah. Under Israeli occupation. So that has it like very different political themes, but also uh, the human stories. Mm. I mean, I, I think, I mean, making apples of golden, I suppose, was probably one of the reasons why we ended up making When All Is Room once again, because we kind of, you know, it was, uh, that was going out into a place that was, you know, far away and very politically charged. And I suppose we tried to make, make a, you know, a movie that wasn't necessarily dictated to by the politics, but the politics there are very... The politics are in the apples, you know, they're in the apples and they're in everything else. They're in nearly everything that the people do in um, in, in the village that we focus on was Majal Shams, so, which is a, a Syrian village that's occupied in, in Israeli-occupied Golden Heights. Yeah, it kind of made sense to kind of look closer to home after being kind of gone so far abroad, you know, um, yeah. with something to... Uh, What's the, uh, is it, um, um, what's the quote? Um, the Blake quote, is, what is it? It's... Um, to uh, to see the world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wild flower, you know that type of kind of idea. To to see something, we just moved to the, to the countryside. I'm from Waterford originally, and Jill is from Sligo, and we'd moved to uh, to an area. So it's in Ireland. We're Irish, but it still was an, a place that we didn't uh, we didn't know. You know, we didn't we weren't we were we weren't uh, local to the area. So, I mean, it had similar similar similarities to the Golden Heights. And when we were in the Golden Heights, we lived there for, we spent a year in the Golden Heights over a five-year period. You know, it was a long time there. We lived with pretty much with one family that were there. We were part of that family. So, and, the, and the whole process of making the film kind of mirrored the process of us getting, you know, becoming, I wouldn't say necessarily becoming part of the community, but becoming more part of the community or becoming accepted by the community more so than becoming part of it. And it was only when we were accepted by that community in the Golden Heights that we were able to, to make the film that we wanted to make because it was, as I said, we work in a two-person crew all the time and it, I don't know, it's, it's, part, of the, it's part of our process to, be, to film lots so that we are not, we, you know, we don't, there's not a lot, not a lot of overheads on us because it's only the two of us and we can have days where we don't film we can have days where we film loads and it's no good because the idea is to try to get to a place where there the camera is 
not noticed or something happens or something happens that you know you kind of we all know it when we see it but it's trying to get to it is is the is the challenge you know uh, something where you're present the people are present and the camera is not there you know so that was actually one of the things that i really wanted to find out and it was good for me to know because in and um, when all is room once again there's also this rapport this comfort this that I, I don't think Irish people necessarily we it's not something that's ingrained into us as to especially older generations is to completely be relaxed in front of a camera mm. but there's there's you know there's scenes in there where there's an older an older pair of women laughing and joking mm. as if as if it's, it's old friends having chat and I, I always am very interested to how documentary makers can achieve that because again, it's just it's not a natural state of being. Even someone who works in film, if a camera you can tense up. So mm. that makes a lot of sense that you're you're around all the time and, and you're kind of part of the scenery as well. Mm. Yeah, like <clears throat> I suppose like again like there these, you know, there's that Sella Sella and Angela, um they're two pretty incredible women, but like we lived in in the film, we lived in the area of the film. Like the the Harlan team that's uh, that's in the film. I when I was thirty one, I think joined the Junior B Harlan team. Uh, that that you know the, the, of Crushing, and I'd never played Harlan before in my life. Jill joined the ladies football team, and she'd never played football in her life. You know the bonfire that's in it was the bonfire of the St John's Eve bonfire. Um, just down the road from where we lived, the musician that's at the start, he was our like next door neighbor, Tom and Maureen, who are who are at the Killeen in um, the children's graveyard. They're just down the road from us here now, where we live now, just out the gorge. So I suppose you know we lived there, we had children there. It kind of you know it just it was a process. I mean we didn't deliberately join the. Harlan team and the G- and the ladies football team to you know to consciously become part of the community it just kind of happened you know we were just it just felt kind of natural to us to do it people asked us and we kind of said yeah we'll give it a we'll give it a whirl but it's kind of all contributed to a comfort with the camera you know we were it kind of helps as well I mean there's a lot of times I was there on my own and then other times it was just the two of us so you know that the fact that it isn't a big film crew it's just you know Keith or Jill and or Keith and Jill coming down to 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 film you know it's a there's this lack of there's a lack of preparation for it because it isn't like some crew coming from the city like you know to, to do it you know we're just kind of coming down from the road and they'd seen us at wherever in the pub the the weekend before or Matty one of the the men he's not with us and, um, anymore unfortunately Matty O'Brien he um he is a man on the left by the fireplace. He used to, whenever, you know, he used to go to the pub after mass and buy chocolate. And he'd always like give chocolate to, um, to, to me to give to, uh, to give to the kids. And I was like, Matty, I don't have any kids. He said, bring it back to your wife. <laughs> you know, uh, so, so like, you know, you kind of, um, it became comfortable because we were just, we weren't seen as the kind of camera crew. I suppose the other, the other, the other thing I suppose is, my background is in camera work. My background is, my brother is um, quite a bit older than me. He's uh, um, 14 years older than me. And there, there was just the two of us. And when I was 13, he was doing wedding videos. And he would, uh, he would I think my mother asked him to, 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 to take me out just to give me something to do. So at 13, I was doing second camera at weddings where he would just basically leave me at the, um, the church with a camera and get me to um 
to film the guests the, and the groom and all that before that and before the the wedding ceremony. So you know, it was kind of four years with a camera when I was quite young, trying to film people who were telling me to you know go away because I was just a little kid with a camera. But I had to try, <laughs> come up with uh, come up with ways to make them feel comfortable. So. I can't like I'm not gonna say that I have it cracked during that, but it's kind of something that I suppose it's something that I did at a very early age. You know, it's something like if you ride a bicycle, uh, you know, you, you know, really for a, a long time at an early age, so you just come second nature. I ride a horse. I just had a camera when I was 13, and in groups of people, you know, uh, so it's kind of probably, you know, it's it's there's some there's an ease to it, you know. That's that's brilliant. It comes across and it, it is part of the magic that this this captures. And I also wanted to chat a little bit about the aesthetic of it. Can you tell me a little bit about, about creating that atmosphere? You have little kind of almost like little kind of episodic moments. And, you know, like you will be watching, say, something very quiet, very nature, a little bit of a little bit of exposition about the background. And then you'll have a brass band <laughs> playing in nature like, and it's just, it's 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 very um it, it in some ways it's it's kind of it's jarring it adds energy but it's it's very interesting to watch and it kind of keeps you going the whole time you know both myself and Jill are editors uh that's how we make our our, our, our living I suppose um and you know there was again like we were editing that film as we went along you know, I mean, I was editing it and Jill was kind of like looking at it and looking at cuts and giving me advice and um, seeing how stylistically things were fitting in. Because obviously over seven years, it, um, trying to keep coherency in the, in, the, in the style was something that, you know, as various different influences or thoughts, like so at one point I thought we'll do it all handheld and then after that then no we'll do it on the tripod and it you know just trying to keep a consistency was a challenge but I suppose we just had a long time in the edit suite I would probably calculate it it would probably would have taken six to eight months eight months maybe probably to edit it all in all like because of the fact that there wasn't there's no you know time is the narrative within the film but even that isn't kind of explicit about it so I suppose the scenes kind of crashing against each other or scenes kind of shifting I suppose was to you know maybe there was it was balancing the meaning within him like if you let, stay too 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 long on a on a scene and it becomes too much pressure for meaning on the on the scene so it, it, a lot of it was about feeling it you know it was about feeling when you know you wanted something else from a scene or when you wanted more exposition or more information then it was time to kind of shift it and maybe then talk to the scene beforehand with the next scene you know uh, or shift it all together a lot of it was about feeling it you know it was kind of it's a very difficult thing to um i think i think myself and jill kind of suffer a lot because we're not able to because we're, we work together and we're living together and um we just kind of talked about things all the time or at strange times so it kind of is part of our our living so then actually we don't really when it comes to talking like this to being able to kind of pick it apart it can be a bit difficult because it um it just kind of happens in the moments where we're living you know you know it's an organic creative yeah like just like just like most pieces of art really it's you know you can academically break it down piece mm. by piece section by section and go these are the influences or you can say like you know this is mm. your interpretation and your 
your gut told you to, to make those creative choices because you knew instinctively it was right, which is mm. it's almost like it's magic in some ways. Mm. Yeah, there's very little conscious uh, what I was having right and saying that, but it, it kind of feels like there was not, you know, kind of looking back, there was not a lot of consciousness in it. It was uh, uh, reacting to things that I was interested in at the time or preoccupations that I had or things that happened in my life or... So yeah, so yeah, you know, you just kind of react to all these things that kind of come up, you know, um, or, and yeah. Because you, you do get that sense of it. Now, one of the things as well I wanted to, um, I wanted to touch on was the, the reception. So it's, it's been getting very, very good reviews on, on its kind of video on demand, but it's such an atmospheric and again, immersive film. Was, was it hard to, to watch it go straight there and, and not do the IFI? Because you guys were scheduled to do an IFI release first wasn't it we were scheduled to do a, a, a cinema release um um and yeah that obviously that that i went by the um went by the wayside um and it's uh it, i mean it is it is disappointing yeah it, it is just, of course disappointing but i suppose you know when well you know disappointment i suppose only comes when there's a choice really you know i think you know when, when the choice is taken away from you by something as big and as dramatic as this i think it's kind of uh yeah, it's, it's it's hard to be disappointed. It's just like the practicality of it is that we are releasing it online now, and we have to. It maybe it will reach a lot, a lot more people. Yeah. You know, it, it's a pity, but we did. We were lucky enough. Um, we were lucky enough. We got a good run out of it. Uh, festival run. It did quite well. Um, on on in Irish festivals, so it screened at uh, the Galway Film Fla, Kerry Film Festival, Dingle, Clonus, um, Docs Ireland, the IFI Doc Fest. Um, and then went to CPH Docs as well, then over in uh, Copenhagen. So, um, and also I think it went to Full Frame in America and Virginia. So it got a good run. And we also showed it um, here in um, in Gort, in uh, Sullivan's Hotel in Gort. Um, anyone that's been through Gort can know so Sullivan's kind of a landmark hotel there. Um, I'd say that was a big event. Oh, it was amazing. It was yeah. brilliant. There was about, uh, there was about, uh, there was about 400 people there. It was like... Um, so we did a fun. It was a fundraiser for the um, for Gorge River Walk and uh, for the Crushing Community Centre. So uh, yeah, it was four hundred people there. We did a questions and answers. It was like some sort of uh, this is your life almost because like every anyone that was been in our in our life over the last the previous ten years in around this area was there, and um, it was gas. It was brilliant. It was absolutely amazing. And then you also had like there was. There's people there whose um, uh, whose relatives had passed away in the time of the film and were in the film. Um, I mentioned Matthew O'Brien and uh, Kevin was sitting next to him, both of them. Kevin O'Brien, both of them had passed on. Um, so there was a lot of people there who were coming to see their relatives, and that was quite that was amazing. It was quite poignant. Um, yeah, it's quite poignant. Angela, Angela, one of the, the the women at the at the fireplace as well. I think Angela. Yeah, well, maybe I won't say her age, but she had a very, very prominent birthday there uh, recently enough. But um, she, 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 um, she's been to see the film I think four times in various different places, three or three or four times. But um, yeah, it was great. It was great. It was four hundred people there in Gort, and so so we're kind of we're like you know we can't be sad about it. We had a very good run of it, and uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of the people, the right people saw it. You know, and um, the people who were in it saw it and gave their time and energy because like we couldn't have done it without. I mean, like any like any film, I suppose you're kind of you're reliant on lots of people to help you and contribute. Um, this 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 particular film was a small crew, and it was a very 
small budget as well, really. So we didn't have lots of money, but we were just thankfully like you know it was James Mack and Crushine. He uh, pushed the boat with his son. He pushed the boat that the, the the we were on when we were filming the um the scene of the band at the lake, and uh, you know he just brought he brought you know gave up his time, brought up the 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 boat, and ended up jumping into the the lake and pushing us in, and you know the local parish parish group they gave us all the chairs for the ba- the band that were there and you know there was no shortage of people giving us uh, a dig out you know um so it was lovely then when we had the screening and to 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 give the money back to the and give the time and give the, the focus back to um to the community and it's nice to have a local community like that really celebrated and really seen and seen internationally because you know i, I kind of think you know there's so many places that are just overlooked because you know they're next to Galway and everyone goes to Galway. maybe people mm. might go to connemara and you know and they'll go out to the to the islands or whatever but you like that as well there's these beautiful communities and, and spaces and 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 you know they'll have their quirks they'll have their rituals and like that they're just too often they're overlooked and then you know like that maybe young people move away and then they're slightly forgotten and bit by bit they change and like this this is something that's forever mm. for them mm. yeah yeah that's a nice um a nice a nice thought um and like i suppose the whole you know i don't mind you know it's not you don't mean to kind of have too much of a like a grandiose notions or whatever but um so a lot of the film is about memory and about uh, the fading of memory and about um you know a lot of things that interest me in the making of the film were things that uh that the landscape hinted to of a, of a past that was still kind of present whether that be like um the place things or whether that be um the famine road up on the the, the mountains or the killeen and the fact that those things were fading visually, you know, from our from from the the landscape, that kind of interests me. And then I suppose as well that kind of idea that we will all um, eventually, you know, our memories eventually will 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 fade away. But you know, in 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 the same, you know, that's what Yeats is speaking about when you know in those final two lines when he says, "When he made these characters remain, when all is ruined once again." And maybe maybe like you know the memories of. You know, having you know people in the in the area in the film just helps to write their names a little bit deeper, maybe into memory. You know, it's a it's it's a hope, I suppose, more so than a, than a, than, a, than an intention. It's not my um, it's not my intention to do that, or it's not uh, it's not in my gift to do that. Is if that's a that's a consequence. If their memory is etched a little bit deeper as a consequence of the film, then then I'm delighted with that. Yeah, well, it's it's beautiful, and 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 it is like I said that as well. It kind of captures so many different elements, so many different kind of fun visual elements, so many sad histories, and 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 it it even though it is only in that time frame, it does capture other people remembering things about what they have heard, and you know their kind of spoken word history about it as, as much as mm. as much as it kind of captures those moments which is lovely as well because I, I I just think that's something you know time passes so quickly and and things like that we've forgotten and we don't know what we don't know anymore mm. well it's a good time to be releasing a lovely piece of art on video demand as well but I would look thank you so much for chatting with us we were delighted to have you on brilliant excellent thanks Gemma so if you want to make sure to catch When All Is Ruined once again, um, Access Cinema actually are running a virtual cinema experience so audiences can watch online through participating art centres. So just make sure to check out accesscinema.ie. So there's a list of uh, venues that will be sharing it. So the Galway Film Society, the Mermaid Arts Centre in Bray, Riverbank Arts Centre in Newbridge, 
Drawhead Arts Centre in Drogheda, Dunamay's Arts Centre in Leash, and the Sligo Film Society. So they'll all have um, specialised online screenings of it. So again, all the details are on accesscinema.ie, so make sure to check it out because you'll be able to see it there.